Let's sing, blessed be. Oh, blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. start the service. Amen. Blessed be his name. I welcome you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I heard from Brother John Addies this morning. The camp is streaming. We can't see them, but they can see us. We want to say, God bless you. We miss you, love you, and we're just looking forward to worshiping together with you this morning. Why don't we sing, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing onto Zion. Amen. It's 57. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall together let's sing keep me true lord jesus keep me true keep me
Yesterday experience. I don't think we're not living a tomorrow experience. His mercies are new every morning. We're going to experience Him anew right now in this place. Amen. He's a present living God. And as we sang, there are victories to be won. We've got some prayer requests. I'm going to ask if Brother Peter, Rekadroka, if you wouldn't mind taking these requests. We have some needs this morning. want to remember the Tuscano family in Mumbai, India. They have a, a case of COVID and uh, different family members that are being tested to see if they also have it. They're a little concerned, of course, that it could spread among their family. So we want to pray that the Lord will intervene, help them through this situation. We also have a, a prayer request from Sister Perkins for her dad, Brother Joe Perkins. He's had to be flown out this morning. He's got a blockage in his cerebellum, quite a serious situation, uh, some kind of a blood clot. And so we're just asking that the Lord will come, help the doctors to alleviate the situation, that he could be returned back to his ought-to-be condition. We're believing for him. We also have a note from our sister Clara Wallman. She writes in saying that she's doing very well, misses everybody very much. She has a PET scan on August the 28th and she's just desiring that there would be no trace of cancer so Sister Clara we're believing with you we're praying with you and we're trusting that the Lord will intervene on your behalf as well Amen Brother Peter if you wouldn't mind Let's sing that chorus again please My Redeemer Heavenly Father, once again we come before you with reverence and humility. We thank you, Lord, for the great abundance and uh, divine provision has been provided for us. We thank you for your grace, Father. For all that's come in this world, there's only one place to be that's in Christ Jesus. The word, the message of the hour has been given to us, Lord, that we can take it, claim it for our family, for brothers and sisters, for our children, and maybe friends and family, Lord. We believe this is the only thing ever 
has been given to the hands of man that can deliver us, Lord. We love you. We love your word. We love our ministry. We thank you for our pastor, Lord, and Brother Ed. And we just appreciate him. He stand all this time. Remember Sister Ruth, too. We pray for Brother Tom tonight, today, Lord, for his ankle. Pray, Father, that you'll just uh, completely heal him, take the pain away, take any discomfort. May you just strengthen your servant at this time. Lord, we love the family of God. We're good to see brothers and sisters here. Lord, waiting to pull on the word this morning. For your servant, as he's come behind the secret desk, pray, Father, that you do him with power. Anoint him from toe, from his head until to his toe, Father. We're just looking forward to uh, to hear your word, Lord. Just pray for the the request that's been written. A few I remember, Sister Clara, and just pray, Father, that you come and you touch her in a very special way. And many other requests, those have penned down. I pray, Father, that you'll honor the, their request this morning. May you touch them, Father, in a very special way. We love them. We believe for them. We believe they'll do it exceedingly abundantly, Lord. This morning, Lord, we commit the service once again to your hand, Brother Matthew, the song service, and the singing, or maybe the special or whatever. Well, your servant is ready, and we are waiting, Lord, to hear from you this morning. We pray and ask all this blessing for your name, this special name of Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brother Peter. You can have your seats. Amen. Why don't we sing number 985? I got my mind made up. I've got my heart set right. I'm going with Jesus all the way. Amen. Nine eight five. There we got it. I've got my mind made up. I've got my
a helpless man blind from birth. The only one who saw his worth didn't pass him by. Said I'm a light. He rubbed his eyes with a handful of clay. Then he said, Go and wash in the pool today. And the blind man knew that's what he had to do. You know, along the way, he couldn't help but trip and fall. Each time he got back up again, I wonder if he thought every step I take is a step of faith. Though I can't see what's in front of me. Jesus came and brought me light, and I'm not the same. No, my life's been changed, and I know that His word is true. No matter what I'm going through, He promised me that He would never be. I know along the way I may. Tumble and I may fall, but I'll make it to the water, even if I have to crawl. And every step I take is a step of faith. I can't see what's in front of me. I'll walk on and just believe He.
Thank you, Sister Megan, Sister Sarah. I love how the gifts in the body are growing and manifesting. Amen. I would also maybe like to take this time to let the local assembly know that if anyone has a special, they want to come and sing. We have musicians, we have people that are ready to help you. So don't be shy. Uh, let Brother Mike Ray know or Brother Nathan Hildebrandt, someone know, and we'll make a, make a way for you. We can, we just love having the different people sing. Amen. So I want to sing one of my favorite songs, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. It's 1057. Amen. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit of an opportunistic person. I can't really play this on the guitar. So now that I have full backup, I'll just take advantage of it. We'll sing this song. Amen. Let's start with verse one. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls. Verse two, please.
Amen. You may have your seats for a moment this morning before we go to prayer. Thank you. That's all the singing will do. Before we go to prayer, we will just uh, uh, bring you a little bit of an update uh, from the mission field that's very pertinent. I'm fact, very, very um, time sensitive even right now as we speak. There are things unfolding right now in the mission field that we want to pray about. And so I just thought I'd speak for a moment, go ahead and put that up on uh, Ethiopia and uh, what's happening in Ethiopia. It's it's a wonderful place uh, where God is moving in very sovereign ways. It's a country of a hundred million people. There's great needs there uh, and the believers are are relatively new and the work of the Lord is relatively new. There has been uh, you know, just a few years that the message has gone into Ethiopia and taken root. And uh, under the current conditions all over the world, the, the coronavirus uh, lockdown is happening everywhere, especially in Africa, where the governments are a little bit more authoritarian than they are here or you could say draconian in their measures. And so they, when they lock down, they lock down. And it's not like uh, uh, you have an option. You know, you, the government has troops that they'll back up their decrees with. And so uh, uh, there, the, in spite of the lockdown in Ethiopia, God is still moving. You can't stop the elect of God from coming to the truth. Uh, a little over a month ago, we published an article about a fellow. Actually, I'll just come back to that that story because that pertains to the second part. But let me just say, just before the lockdown, there was a couple young men that came into Ethiopia from Nigeria. They're actually professional, we would say soccer players. They would say football players. And uh, they're Pentecostal uh, young men. And uh, they had come into the country and... And because of the the coronavirus, the the soccer games got canceled, and so they had they had no team to play for, and so they at, began to ask around if anybody knew a, a Pentecostal church that they could go to, and so they they were referred to the believers there in Addis Ababa, and uh, well, little did they know they're the original Pentecostals, and uh, so. Uh, so they they started attending for a couple of weeks and and began to be introduced to the message and then came the total lockdown and so the ch- the church services were canceled and uh, they could no longer attend church but they kept in contact with brother Mogus and uh, uh, through it all and just last week just actually Monday as the brothers were heading into another region of Ethiopia for some outreach. Uh, they they phoned Brother Mogus up on the day they were leaving and said, we must be baptized. Amen. And so here they are here. So they postponed their trip by one day and took these brothers to the church and where they baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Amen. So even in the midst of the lockdown, the Holy Spirit is not locked down. Can we say amen to that? God knows no walls. He knows no barriers. He knows no obstacles. With God, all things are possible. Amen. And so we thank God for that. Um, and then, uh, as I was beginning to say, there was a brother, a young man from the south of Ethiopia, that 
in the, during the lockdown had traveled 450 kilometers to come from his region up to Addis Ababa all the way, I believe, on the bus. And uh, it, though it was the transportation was not uh, 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 readily available, he was able to reach Addis Ababa because he had heard the word and he felt that he must be baptized. And you'll find that article on the website there about a month ago under the mission section. And so here he is at his baptism and uh, second from the left there. And uh, he's being uh, baptized there with a few of the believers there in the church. Well, the brother went home with some message books and and began to pass out some church-age books uh, there in his home country, and it began to light a fire. And so he called the brothers in Addis Ababa and says, you must come down. There's many people now that have gathered that want to hear about this restoration message. Amen. And so they... Uh, uh, they left uh, towards the south, and uh, and then the the brothers, the brother Mogus, then sends me uh, a photograph or a couple of photographs. He says, "This is quite a remote region, in which we have to travel through jungles, and this is this is not what you think of when you think of Ethiopia, lush green foliage, and uh, but there's different regions of the country, and certainly to the south." There, there is some, some good forest down there. And so they traveled this distance in the car. He says, the car, the devil's been fighting us. Our car has stopped on the road twice. And he says, finally we reached the town. Uh, and as you can see in the photo, he says, um, he said, he says, here's a group that were gathered in this group. He says, there is a lawyer. There's a church leader, and there is politicians, including the mayor of the city, that have come to hear the message of the hour. God knows what he's doing. And so, he says, they were all excited to know in this day that there is a message of restoration in this age. And we have given them given out to them the messages, and they're going to study them and communicate back to us. And he says, this trip is the most successful trip that I have ever took towards the south. We have many more appointments in this area. He says, and then he says, I'm a bit tired now. He says, but just to let you know, God is really taking this message across the region. Now, now this, this area towards the south is the Afanaromo people. Uh, that, uh, that speak a different language than the national language and they're the largest group, uh, cultural or language group in the country. And it is also the area where they have political unrest. And the brothers then traveled a hundred kilometers and I got an update from Brother Mogus just before I came to the pulpit in which he writes, Brother Tim, he says, this afternoon we traveled to another town. I won't mention the name. He says, a hundred kilometers away from the first town. He says, soon after we arrived, lots of commotion was heard. Roads began to be blocked and the firing of bullets could be heard. The town is now under defense. I think some political leaders were arrested today in this town. He says, right now we're hiding. Please pray for us. 
And so that's, that's an urgent request that has just come in right now. So let's stand to our feet, if we would. And we're going to remember our brothers in prayer. And uh, we're going to pray that God will just blind the eyes of the authorities to their presence. This is not, this is not playing games. This is not a toothache. This is not a little ache and pain. This is life and death situation. So let's bow our heads together and let's beseech the Lord real seriously for these brethren who are on the work of the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning as we stand in your presence, rejoicing in what you are doing in the country of Ethiopia. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have caused the light of your message to shine in places where it has never shone before. And Lord, we're desiring that you will quicken those souls who are studying the message. And Lord, that you will bring illumination to their souls like you did to the woman at the well. Like you did to Zacchaeus. Like you did to many others, Lord, when you went by their way. Lord, it changed their lives. Lord, we're remembering that move. And especially, Lord, at this particular moment, our dear brothers, Brother Mogus, Brother Gurmay, Brother Ephraim are all there now in the South Country. They're in the middle of a situation that the devil has caused through political uprising. But Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your prophet told us, Lord, that when we are in the path of duty, that you are obligated to protect us. And so we commit these brothers into your hands. We ask for their protection. We ask, oh God, for their deliverance. And furthermore, Lord, perhaps the devil is trying to stop them from reaching somebody in that town. We ask for the deliverance of every predestinated seed in that town, oh God. May you supernaturally move in the, on the place. Lord, may you cause a revival, oh Lord. Lord, may you bring in the predestinated seed. The devil can not stop your work. You will not lose one. No one can pluck them from your hand, O oh God. We commit this journey and this trip and this outreach into your hands in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we're gathered together this morning, we've come to hear your word. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you'll just take control of this service. Lord, that you'll direct the word the way you want it to go. The subject is vast. Lord, every subject is vast. The depth of your word is, Lord, unfathomable by the mind of man. Lord, it's beyond our comprehension. And so we're asking, Lord, that the precious Holy Spirit would anoint our thoughts this morning. Speak the things that you want to speak for. Lord, if they're your thoughts, then it'll be your word. And if it's your word, it will not return void. For heavens and earth will pass away. Your word will not fail. The words of a man will fail, but your words will not fail. Lord, we commit this service to you. Bless us, O oh God, be with those that are here, those that are out on the, on the internet, Lord, because of the circumstances. Many would be here, Father. Visit them in a special way. Lord, be with them there at the camp as they're gathered. Lord, they're watching a screen, but Lord, their hearts are not watching a screen. Their hearts is in tune to you. And so, Lord, you that discern every thought of every heart, may you direct now your word the way it should go according to your perfect will, Father. We yield ourselves to you 
Each one of us bless the reading of the word and the speaking of it, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Do you love the Lord? Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together, if you would, to the book of Genesis. And we'll also turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll read from a couple of places this morning. Genesis chapter 3 is where we'll be starting. Genesis 3 and verse 16. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now let's read from 1 Peter chapter 3. We're speaking on the ought-to-be condition. Last week we spoke on masculinity. I had a lot of feedback, emails, texts of brothers, all positive, all thankful for hearing it straight. Amen, brothers? How many sisters want to hear it straight this morning? Amen. Amen. All right. And uh, uh, we want to speak on the femininity side this morning if the Lord helps us. I told my wife, I said, uh, I said, I don't know how I get myself into these things. Brother Ben, some things are best left to others. I, I thought, maybe there's a ship of Tarshish going somewhere. And uh, I thought, but all the transportation is shut down. The borders are closed. <laughs> Here we are. Praise the Lord. And believe me, I'm more nervous about this than you are. We just trust the Lord this morning. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, the, both scriptures we're reading are in relationship to a wife, but you sisters that are single, don't worry, this, is, this subject will cover that as well. And really, as the Apostle Paul said, I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so it goes on, it says, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Notice how it says that. Not the sight of man the sight of God. And after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah who obeyed, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. I don't know if I will preach this morning as much as maybe just speak to you on 
on the subject of uh, the restoration that has been brought to women through the message of the hour, through the unveiling of God's Word. Because we know that, as I spoke last week, that this message is more than just a message of salvation. This message is a message of restoration. This message is bringing back what Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden. Not just Adam, but also Eve. And here we read in the Scriptures that that husband and wife or man and woman are heirs together of the grace of life. And it's even the Apostle Peter that writes that this inheritance is reserved in heaven to be revealed in the last days. Which last days we are living in, which revealing we are living under. And so we have now the, the, the fullness of what a, a man, how a man ought to be in his makeup and character, and how a woman ought to be in her makeup and character, not according to the spirit of the age, but according to the mind that God had before the foundation of the world. Can you say amen to that? Now this subject this morning is not meant to be the definition of femininity. Rather, just to let the Holy Spirit deal with the mind of all of us, especially our sisters, in a way that expresses who they are. Because as the Bible says, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. And I would love to have heard, have walked with Jesus when he was on the earth, as he saw the condition of the culture of that day, and, and, and what words he might have spoken as to how they lived. And how they conducted themselves. How the men conducted themselves. How the women conducted themselves. You know, we can get a glimpse of it when they came to him about Moses' teaching. And and, and the, the, the Pharisees, uh, I think it was, or the Sadducees, I can't remember which, came to Jesus and says, Is it lawful for a man to put away a woman? And Jesus says to them, it's not lawful for a man to put away his woman. Have you not read in the scripture that he that made them, made them male and female, one man, one woman, marriage? He says, as it was in the beginning, he says, uh, you're not to divorce. If a woman's divorced, she's not to remarry. He says, you're not to put away your wife except for the cause of fornication. Believe me, this is not even in my notes. I don't even know why I'm going down this road. And so he says on all these things now as he's, he's dealing with the culture and then the, the, the people of that age had taken from Moses' writings and said, but Moses said we could. And Jesus said, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted it. He says, but from the beginning it was not so. Amen. So we have not been restored to Moses. We have been restored to the beginning. We have been brought back to how God's expression was right in the beginning in masculine and in feminine. So I'm not going to this morning spend a lot of time or hardly any time or really speaking about uh, how high you should wear your heels or whether or not you should trim your hair or how tight your clothing shouldn't be or whether your skirts are too short. We're here to talk about femininity, not carnality. Can somebody say amen to that? You know, if, if if you're a sister, I don't even know where to look this morning. If you're a sister, I'll look at you, Sister Ruth, if that's okay. If you're a sister that's wondering how you ought to dress, how you ought to conduct yourself, how you ought to act in the in the natural things of life, we have some godly ministers' wives. 
that would give you good advice. And we have some godly deacon's wives who would also give you good advice. There's other women. I, I wouldn't want to single anybody out. But I'll just say, if you, if you go to the pastor's wives or the deacon's wives for advice, you're likely to get good advice. Is that okay this morning? Brother Branham said in the message, Falling Apart of the World, he says, I, I got an article here that I would just like to read a couple verses of. And he, he's talking about the standard of his day. And he says, it's from a paper, the standard bearer of Africa. It says, the death of modesty, feminine modesty, that beautiful quality that God has placed in the human family to safeguard its moral standard is dying today. This is 1962. They wouldn't even write this today. This would not be a politically correct article. And he says, he says, it goes on to say, as innocent men, as innocent mere women and girls have bowed their knees to the goddess of fashion and do not hesitate to confirm to the most extreme of shamefulness of modern styles, modest modern styles, it says. Brother Bram says, I got about a page of it here, how I never heard such a thing. It says, and sex appeal is regarded as legitimate both among Christians and non-Christians. Notice how the, what, the, what, the, uh, what the newspaper is writing or what the magazine is writing. It says, sex appeal is regarded as legitimate amongst Christians. It's not writing that in a positive light. Sexiness is not femininity. Can I start there this morning? Femininity has its own definition and it's handled throughout the Word of God because when God looks at a woman, He looks at the type of His church. He's looking at what He put in Eve. He's reflecting His own desires, an expression of what He's desiring in a church, specifically in a bride. Now, I want to just say that we're living, as is called, in a woman's age. But the Branham called it that. This is, though it's a woman's age, it's surprisingly not really a feminine age. Brother Branham said in the message, in the church age book, he says, even the name Laodicea, the people's rights or justice of the people is what it means. He says, was there ever an age like the 20th century church age that has seen all nations rising up and demanding equality socially and financially? Now, he makes a statement here that if you'll catch it, you'll see what's going on in the hour we're living in. He says, this is the age of communists where all men are supposedly equal, though it is only so in theory. He says, this is the age of political parties who call themselves Christian Democrats and Christian Socialists. He says, according to our liberal theologians, Jesus was a socialist and the early church and under the guidance of the Spirit, practice socialism. He says, and thus we ought, and they say, thus we ought to do so today. And I'll just say, uh, if you don't realize how much of a fallacy that is, uh, Jesus was never a socialist. Jesus was a monarchist. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. He says, if it were, my subjects would fight. 
says, my kingdom is of another world. He's a king going to a throne. Amen. That's why Brother Branham says the highest form of government is a godly king. Doesn't say democracy. I hope that doesn't offend my American brothers. But the age we're living in has seen so-called rights, advances of rights. We've seen in our age, we've seen the voting rights for women. We've seen civil rights for people that were uh, uh, downtrodden. Uh, we've seen other things that even in these days they want to make rights. And I was thinking about the U.S. Constitution. And I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just throwing this out there. In the U.S. Constitution, the founders of the United States, which is a good example of this age, they were trying to define in their mind what God gave man. When they said it this way, they say, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these... Our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, maybe you've heard that before, but I just want to say that in, in the 1700s, they were trying, they were very forward thinking men, and they were trying to, to grasp in their mind what God had endowed humanity with. Really, if they were moved by the Spirit, they were, they were before their time because the things that God has endowed in humanity, which is the rights that He gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, have been hidden down through the ages only to be revealed in the last days. Amen. Do you realize what age you're living in? Do you realize the hour that's upon you? Because the things that God, or they call it the Creator, uh, gave unalienable rights, those things are contained in the Lamb's book of life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Those are the things that the elect of God have come into in this hour. You know, we can say humanity. We realize not all humanity is the elect, but I just want to say to God, he's dealing with mankind. To God, he's dealing with his elect. He's dealing with the offspring of Adam and Eve. He's dealing with his children that have come down through every generation. And we come now to this terrible age on one hand, but a great age on the other hand. Terrible in the way that it has perverted things in the natural realm, but great in the way that God has revealed his word. Terrible in the age, as we might call it, of political doctrine called, I'll call it feminism. I think that's what they call it. A political doctrine that robs women of their God-given femininity by telling them that you can't be anything unless you're like a man. That's what that tries to tell women. You gotta be equal to the man. You gotta get what the man gets. You gotta have what the man has. I got news for you. Uh, there's in many ways a woman is different and in some ways better than a man. And that a woman can only be a woman by being feminine. Bible says a gracious woman retaineth honor and strong men retain riches. In biblical terms, the woman is a keeper of honor. She's a, she's a particular vessel that's made by God. And when I talk about the feminine, 
Now we'll come to the spiritual side of it. Well, it's all the spiritual side, but but you have you sisters have a a spirit in you that's feminine. If I if I was a psychologist, <laughs> praise the Lord, I'm not. I didn't go to psychology for this. If I was a psychologist, I might say men never understand women. And women never understand men. And there's some truth to that because a feminine spirit is not a masculine spirit. And a masculine spirit is not a feminine spirit. And when God separated the two in Adam, he, he separated them and he put unique characteristics in the woman and unique characteristics in the man. And Brother Branham picks it up in the message Invisible Union. He says to the woman is created, is given three sacred, three sacred things that she must keep. Her virtue, her womanhood, and her motherhood. And so he's, he's, he's speaking these things in contrast to a man. These virtues are given to a woman, not to a man. And so she has a unique characteristics. Now I want you to notice when it comes to virtue, virtue does not simply mean, um, not simply mean being a virgin, if I can say it that way. We find in the book of Ruth, we find Boaz seeing Ruth in the field. And, and, and he, he talks to her and he says, uh, he says these words, he says, uh, fear not, I will do unto thee all that thou requirest for all the city of my people does know. I'm sorry, this is not in the field. This is in the threshing floor. All, all the city of my people does know that thou art a virtuous woman. Now, I will say Ruth is not a virgin. She was previously married. Her husband died, but she had no children. And so, but virtue goes beyond just the physical attribute. Virtue goes beyond, goes to the characteristic. And so to the women is given a certain level of virtue that God has entrusted her, that she's to keep that. Now let me just say this, this age tears down that virtue. This age takes a woman and turns her, it turns her into nothing but an animal. Something to be, uh, to be, uh, I'll just say lusted after, something to be chased after might be a better way to say it by every man on the street and whatever more. That's not what a woman is about. I hope we can say amen to that as believers. That's not what a woman is about. But God through His Word now has restored womanhood. Hallelujah. God has restored it. And why did he restore it? He had to restore it because he's also bringing the church to her restored place. And the natural has to type the spiritual. And so if you see a church, that's why Brother Bram says, if you're looking at a church, just look at the woman. If you see how the women are acting, you'll recognize where the church is at. And so if the church, the, the bride of Jesus Christ has been restored, then the women within that church have been restored. Amen. You know, the Bible talks about Rahab. Rahab was a sought after woman after she came into the, the congregation of the people. Bible records her as being a harlot in Jericho. But to Salmon... She was a virtuous woman. Are you hearing me? What made her virtue? See, I'm talking about restored virtue. What made her virtuous is that she had received the word. What made her virtuous is that faith had quickened her. 
What made her virtuous is her stand, putting her life on the line for the word of God. And to, to Salmon then, he said, this is a woman I want to marry. This is the woman I want to be part of my lineage. This is the one through whom I want to have a family. My, what I'm sure Rahab, as she looked back to her own life, just like the woman at the well, as she looked back at her own life, she might have said, you know what, there's no hope for me. I might attend church, sit in the back row, and just kind of be a nobody if I can just slip in and then slip out and nobody notice me, that'd be fine. But that's not what God had in his mind. She had been trapped into a lifestyle that the age had stolen her virtue, but God had restored her virtue. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God that we serve. I didn't think I was going to preach this morning, but here we are. God had restored this woman to her virtue. James says it this way. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them on another way. Paul in Hebrews says by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So Brother Branham in Invisible Uni says, what a sacred trust, what a responsibility to a woman. Now see why she's the type of the church which has the same responsibility as a woman has a sacred responsibility to her motherhead, to her virtues, to her husband. The church has a sacred responsibility to prayer, to the word, and to Christ. He says... As a woman drifts off with another man, when the church goes off with these institutional programs and building programs and schools and so forth, he says, I have nothing against them. They're all right. They serve their purpose. He says, but Jesus never said, go make schools. He said, preach the word. And that's where they neglect it. All right. It's not that, you know, you'll even notice Jesus. And notice how Jesus came not to do away with everything. Jesus came to restore the priorities. You know, how that, how that even when Jesus told the Pharisees, you hypocrites, you tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and omit the weightier uh, uh, matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and truth. He says, these you ought to have done. And then he says, And not leave the other undone. So Jesus said you should be tithing. That's all right, But that's not the priority. That's not what the church is all about. That's not what the word of God is all about. That's that's your obligation to God. But yet in the midst of all that. There's weightier matters. That are much greater importance than those things. Not that those things should be neglected. And so God has given responsibilities that go with being feminine sisters. He's given you responsibilities that he hasn't given to the man. And these responsibilities are not to Christians per se, even though Christians are the main ones that recognize it. These responsibilities are to women. All right. They are to the female, uh, uh, the female vessel. And uh, they are restored especially in their condition to the church and the sisters in the church. But now in the church, the church has also been given sacred responsibilities, he says. So the church needs to stand for these things. He says the church needs as a responsibility to prayer. We stand for prayer. Amen. We believe in prayer. 
If we omit prayer, we will fail. We stand for the Word of God. This is what we stand for. This is what we, we are based on. We're not based something additionally to the Word. The message did not come to do away with the Bible. The message came to prove the Bible. And then, and this is what we stand on and our, our, our sacred responsibility as a church to Christ. That is to say, the anointed one. We're not led by man, even though God puts men in position of authority. We are led by the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to be led by the Spirit. Not to be led by government. Not to be led by laws, naturally speaking. Not to be led by natural events, but to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. The Spirit of God says, render under Caesar what's Caesar's. That's good. But it also says, render unto God what is God's. Amen. And so we have uh, this age that we're living in. We have a, a great push that we deal with for women's rights, so-called. That has robbed her of her faithfulness to her husband. That's one of the virtues that God gave to a woman. One of the responsibilities. As I said, feminism is actually anti-feminism. It promotes divorce. It promotes lesbianism. It promotes other perversion. And, and I'll just say, a woman that would divorce her husband, regardless of the condition, all right, I'm not, getting, I'm not in getting into marriage tonight, but I just want to say, a woman that will divorce her husband has been robbed of her faithfulness. That's really what it's all about. Their marriages will go through difficulties. By the word of God, all difficulties are solvable. But a woman that will leave her husband, and of course I'm only talking about worldly women... Uh, has actually been robbed of her God-given womanly virtue. She has had something sewed in her mind that that would be the correct thing to do. And, and that's what the devil is trying to take away from this generation is true God-given nature. If a woman... Uh, I'll say if a woman is not feminine... Neither is she masculine. What is she? It's just some kind of perversion. Now, if you were coming here looking for a politically correct service, you came to the wrong place. And I'll just say to the brothers in the video room, uh, watch the connections. They may drop. The number of connections may drop this morning. Uh, Brother Branham says in life's story, are you with me so far? He says, if you got a good wife, brother, you ought to respect her with the highest. He says, a real woman. And children, if you've got a real mother that stays home and tries to take care of you, keeping your clothes clean, sends you to school, teaching you about Jesus, you should honor that sweet old mother with all that's in you. You should respect that woman. Because she's a real mother. Amen. In the message. 
Expressions, 1962. He's, he, he's talking about a sister. He says, she, she'd say, Brother Billy, pray for my children that none of them will be lost. Then Brother Branham says, if that isn't expressing real motherhood, a mother who's interested in her children, interested in her neighbors, her husband, her loved ones, it's God in the woman expressing eternal things. Brother Bram says a lot of things, or he says some things about uh, femininity. I, I have a, uh, a little group of brothers that I fellowship with online, and I dropped them a note this morning, and I said, give me a, a one-sentence definition of femininity. It was just a bunch of young brothers. And, uh, and they actually did quite well. And uh, I, w- I won't necessarily read it all, but, you know, they, they just talked about uh, sweet, quiet spirit, meek spirit, uh, submission, uh, desire to serve. Uh, and those were kind of the, the, the resounding themes that kept getting repeated uh, as the text come back as I limited them to one sentence. But Brother Branham says it this way in different places. I'll just read you, read you little clips that Brother Branham says about a woman. Is this all right? He says, there's something about women that's a little different than men. Usually she's got a high instinct. I would that she would use it for God. Another place he says, you know, there's something about women. I wish God would use more of it. There's something about them. They don't stand in wonder like men. We stand in wonder, figure it all out. But women usually go do what's on their heart. I'll just leave that with you. He says another place, there's something about women that seems to be different from men. They seem to be sometime more receptible to the spirit. That's right. And they seem to catch it quicker. Hope that's all right. Brothers are feeling a little bit smaller this morning. He says another place, he says, Therefore, when a woman tries to act like a man, dress like a man, and talk like a man, she's out of her place. A woman is feminish, sweet, loving, not big and carrying on and acting like a man. All right. Another place, he says, he take uh, the feminish spirit out of Adam and put it in the woman and the love spirit, feminish, kind, gentle. All right, are you with me so far? We're hearing a prophet of God expressing what is what is spoken about uh, about a woman. He's, and it's interesting. It's like when he says he took the feminist spirit, the love spirit out. You wonder why your husband's lacking sometimes? <laughs> he took the love spirit out of the man, put it in the woman. <laughs> Amen, brothers. We need to be a little bit more loving some, sometimes. Come on, brothers. <laughs> sure. Masculine versus feminine. He says, another place, he says, He gave her the feminist spirit to be dainty and sweet, like the real Christian sisters are. And finally, he says in Shalom, he says, But all over the world there seems to be a groping darkness, a grouping darkness that's gathering Getting more dense and dense all the time. Just smothering out real manhood 
and real womanhood. Amen. That's the age we're living in. So the Bible, as we read this morning, it talks about the attitude of the feminine towards the masculine. It talks about the difference in approach that a woman ought to have towards the man and towards the masculine. Because when God separated the two, God knew what he was doing. He knew that Eve would fall. Can we say amen to that? Nothing surprised God. He had a redemptive purpose in all of it. And we know that the masculine and the feminine were in the original creation. It was the female body that was the byproduct. And so he made the body with a certain weakness that it was able to fall. But the spirit itself was in the original creation. But after the fall, he told the woman, as we read, he says, your desire, thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over you. And it's instructive if we just look at this for a moment, because the word desire here only appears in three places of the Bible. And it's not always of a man towards a woman. As a matter of fact, it's talked about Cain and Abel. As God said to Cain, if you do well, you'll be accepted. In chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So now it's it's the same word used as Cain towards Abel or Abel towards Cain. So it's not just a feminine attribute. That's what I'm getting to here. Then in the in the scripture of, of Song of Solomon's, it says, I am my beloved's and his desire is towards me. So now it's not the desire of the woman to the man, but the desire of the man to the woman. So it's talking about something more than just being feminine. It's just, it's talking about a, there's something in the woman that will bring out the true definition of this particular trait in life. And it's instructive because that comes from a certain word. Okay, the, that the word desire actually comes from another Hebrew word, and that Hebrew word actually means to overflow. And that might seem strange, but you'll catch the meaning as we get into it here. Because uh, when it's talking about overflowing, and it also only appears three times in the Bible, I'll just read one. And it refers to God in Psalms chapter 65 and verse 9. It says, Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enriches it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. All right, so the word, I believe it's the word greatly enriched that God, uh, that is being referred to here as an overflowing. So it's referring now to God visiting the earth, God providing the blessing, and it's the same meaning as it also appears in the book of Joel. And so now the it's referring now to that, that there is a overflowing. In other words, there is something that could not be contained that now begins to overflow. And that is the nature of a woman in the way that she is made as God is instructing her. He says, your desire will be towards your husband or your makeup will be such that you will 
overflow towards the masculine part of yourself. Uh, You are the part that is overflowing to him. Or you is the part that is providing for him. Or you are the part that is laying the foundation and giving the necessary sustenance that he can be what he's called to be. All right. So it's part of the makeup of the feminist here or the attitude. And I I won't even say makeup more, more that attitude that in the attitude there is a giving out that the feminine is made to give to bless somebody to provide necessary sustenance to another. It is and that other is is by scriptural necessity referring mostly to the husband. So in some cases, we might even say that a sister might not marry, but there's something in the feminine makeup that they are made to be an outlet to give out. That's why you find our sisters, even that are not married, need an outlet to give out because they're made that way. They're made to overflow. In other words, they're they're made not to be able to contain and in the day and the hour that we're living in, it's a very selfish age. Isn't it just? It's just, it's about me, I, it's a narcissistic age. It's all, I want this and I want that and I want my rights and I want my possessions and I want that. But there's something in the feminist makeup that God says it will create an attitude when it's in its original form that you want to give. If it's, if you're married, it'll be giving to your family. If you're not married, there's something in you that needs to give. So sisters, if you feel to give, Please pray to God. Give me an outlet, Lord. It's in me. I must do something for the kingdom of God. You know, are you enjoying the pews? The staining of the pews that's going on? A lot of it's being done by sisters. Sisters that are not married. But they need an outlet to give. And different ones that, you know, the Bible refers to in, the, in that kind of a makeup. All right, we're just trying to understand femininity. Now, you have to bear with me this morning because... In case you haven't realized that I'm not feminine. This is not natural for me to study these things. Matter of fact, for a preacher to study these things is a subject that we don't study very much. Because it just seems like it's so, I'll say, easy to study the makeup of a man. And and there's so much written about men. But let's spend a little time this morning for our sisters. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. I'm sure we'll all benefit from it. So remember, Paul likens the relationship of masculine to feminine like Christ in the church. He says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Ephesians 5 is where you'll find it. You can read it when you go home. He says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. If there's anything that's been lost in Western culture, it's respect to God-given position. Respect to God-given position. Not just the husband. The government, the police officer, you know, the, the, the patriarch of the family, whatever it might be, a family structure. You know, when you go back to India, there's still a great respect for the family structure. You know, when you, when you travel to different countries of the world, you see that. But Western culture has kind of slid off of that and has lost its respect. And, and, the, and, the, and the Bible 
deals with the sisters, Paul speaking it and also Peter speaking it. He says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and not are afraid with any amazement. Likewise, husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as a weaker vessel. I'll come to that part. But Paul and Peter were in agreement that there must be this God-given respect to what God made you. Because he says, husbands, if you don't treat your wife properly, or if you have the wrong attitude towards your wife, your prayers will be hindered. Now I'll say, sisters, if you don't have the right attitude towards those in authority over you, whether it be husband, whether it be pastor, whatever it might be, father, whatever it might be, I'll say your prayers also will be hindered. Because remember, Brother Branham kept emphasizing, he says, the right mental attitude towards any divine promise will bring it to pass. Now, if you have the wrong mental attitude towards your position, then you have the wrong mental attitude towards God's word. But the right mental attitude towards any promise will bring it to pass. So the Bible says, Peter takes it now. Now we're getting to our our real meat of our subject here. Because this isn't just about women. This is for all of us. And that the Bible says in Peter, it says, Giving honor unto your wife as unto the weaker vessel. And this really struck me as I begin to study it. Because it doesn't use, you know... Give honor unto your wife. Now, to me, that, that word should be a noun, but it's not a noun. When he says your wife or your woman could be also translated the same way. But it's actually an adjective, which I found, uh, it's, when I read that, it struck me. And you might say, well, what, what difference does it make? It's not saying your wife in her position. But rather it's saying your attitude toward the feminine vessel. You are a vessel. You're the masculine vessel. There's another vessel, the feminine vessel. If you as the masculine vessel do not have the right attitude towards the feminine vessel, your your prayers will actually be hindered. Now we can take this very approach and, and apply it to every different level of our lives. We can apply it to children towards parents. We can apply it to brothers towards sisters in the natural. We can apply it to young men towards young women and young women towards young men. Because young brothers and sisters, let me tell you, the onslaught of this age wants you to lose respect for the vessel of the opposite gender. But God says you must respect that other vessel. So there must be a level of respect. And I'm not here to preach about courtship. But I'll just say there must be a level with which you must approach that other vessel. And it must be out of respect. If you're a masculine vessel, we call it a man. If you're a vessel of God that's filled with masculinity, recognize that that's the weaker vessel in the femininity. Come on. Recognize that, that they are weaker and you must treat it as such. But also you weaker vessels, you must reverence or respect your husbands or the male figure in order to have the right attitude of yourself in life. I'm coming to something here. I find it in life, and you'll find it in life, the greatest 
hindrance to many people is the inability to accept their own weakness. It's part of the age we're living in. Women, you're not weak. You're strong. You're as strong as men are. That's what they teach them. You can do anything a man can do. Men, you're not, you're not masculine. That's toxic. You know, you're just like the woman. Nobody's weak. Nobody's strong. Everybody's the same. I got news for you. It's not the same. But I'll go further in that it goes into other areas of culture. It goes into areas of the color of skin. In that, you know, sometimes people feel because they're of a certain race. That they say, I must have my rights or I've been wronged because of the color of my skin. You know, I, I, I'd never, I, and, and I, I'll just, I'm not the pastor here, so I'll maybe just say some things and the pastor can come behind me and correct me. But let me just say it this way. When, when the current environment of, uh, of the rights of the African American people and indeed people all over the world rose up recently. I took a, a brother aside who is of African descent and I said, I want to hear it from your perspective. What you think about these things. I says, cause I've never been a black person. I hope this is all right. I've never been a black person. I've never gone through what a black goes through. I says, I know by reading history that there are genuine injustices out there. But I said, let me ask you a question. So we, we talked, we had a wonderful conversation and, and went down the road and I, I didn't really learn anything new. It kind of was the way I thought it was. But nevertheless, I wanted to hear him express his heart on these matters. All right. So after I'd done listening to him, I says, now I want to ask you one question. I said, are you ashamed of the color of your skin? He says, no, not at all. I said, I'm glad to hear that. I says, I'm this color because God made me this color. I says, you're that color because God made you that color. Doesn't matter if you're from Africa. Doesn't matter if you're from the Philippines or doesn't matter if you're from India. Doesn't matter where you're from. God made you that color. If you're from China, whatever more it might be, God made you that color. And I'll say it the same with women now in that the Bible says she's the weaker vessel. Don't be ashamed of your weakness. I see too many women in this, now I'm getting into Brother Tim here, but I'll just say, I see too many women in this age that rise up trying to be strong and only hurt themselves. There's nothing wrong with being weak. I knew I wouldn't get a lot of amens with that one, Brother Matthew. There's nothing wrong with being weak. There's nothing wrong with being called a weaker vessel. Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now what Paul is speaking here, he says, What we have is an earthen vessel. It's speaking of a weak vessel, not an iron vessel. Not a vessel with its own strength. We have an, an earthen vessel that the power may be of God and not of us. Learn now. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Oh, that's a good statement for this age, isn't it? Let me read it again. We are troubled on every side, but not distressed. 
We are perplexed. Let's say we're trying to figure things out, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be made manifest in our body. Amen. The apostle Paul had to learn that. Paul, now remember what Paul, when he was Saul, persecuting the church. He described himself as he, as he, uh, as he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He describes himself, learned above anyone in my generation, taught at the feet of Gamaliel, of the stock of the tribe of Benjamin, of the stock of Israel, circumcised on the eighth day. He says, everything in my life was in order. Tick here, tick here, cross the T, dot the I, everything in order, exactly down the line. I stood at the end of it all. I had it all in order. I had it all under control. I had everything. And then I met God. And I had to come to find out, I'm a weak vessel. Hello? He thought, he thought he had it under control, persecuting the church. I had authority. I went to Damascus. I was going to destroy them. I was, I was going to put everything in its place. I was the guy that was going to, you know, revolutionize this age. I was going to be the great leader. I had ambitions for a great position. And then I met God. And God said, no, Paul. You're just a weak vessel. Hallelujah. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation. Now, he says, I met God. He goes out in the desert. God begins to reveal his word. He becomes the foundational minister of the church. Brother Ram says, the example minister in the Ephesus church age, the first church age messenger, he lays down in his life, his doctrine, his ministry, an example for everybody that's going to come after. He says, beware if you're going to, I have laid the foundation and that foundation is Jesus Christ. And if you're going to build on that, watch out because there's only one foundation and everything else will be tried by fire. He says that one foundation is Jesus Christ. And God used him and God revealed himself and God caught him up into heaven and God showed him things that are not even lawful to be uttered. But now God says to Paul, Paul, you need something. What you need is weakness. And he says, he says, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. That's the way I think a lot of people are, Brother Biscoe. I think they view their unique characteristics as a thorn in the flesh. They, they, you know, oh, if only I wasn't a woman. Oh, if only you laugh. Listen, I've heard that. Oh, if only I wasn't this color. Oh, if only I wasn't born in poverty. Oh, if only I was, didn't come from this family. If only I didn't have this scar. If only I didn't have... Listen, let me tell you something. Paul says, you've got to understand what weakness is all about. He says, for this thing, he says, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He says, I didn't want it. He says, I didn't want to be weak. I didn't want to have this devil constantly buffeting me in the flesh. He says... But he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. We'll come back to grace. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
My strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness, sisters. As unto the weaker vessel. You have more potential for the strength of God to be made perfect in you than in the man. Oh, that got quiet all of a sudden. Because you are a weaker vessel. Oh my. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And all the sisters said, when I am weak, then am I strong. Don't wrestle with how God made you. If God made you a certain way and give you a weakness in life that hinders you in what you think might be career or might be position or might be things you want to accomplish, and this goes to men and women, then you have to submit yourself to God and say, God, you made me this way. The vessel cannot say to the potter, why hast thou made me thus? God made us that way for a reason. Remember the King David after, can I go a little further? I'm really not where I need to be. David, you know, come out of Jerusalem having sinned and reaping what he had sowed, and as he's he's being led out of Jerusalem, and 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 his mighty men are gathered around him, and all of that, he he's there's a man by the name of Shimei. And I don't have time to read the scripture, but as as David's walking by, Shimei is a relative of Saul's, and and Shimei comes and starts throwing stones. It's kind of like a parade going by, and he's on the sidelines. He starts throwing stones. He starts kicking dirt. He starts throwing dirt on David and, and tries to get at him, and he's yelling at him. He says, oh, you're an evil man, and you've shed much blood, and you don't deserve to be in the throne of Saul. And, you know, he's just railing on him and railing on him. And finally, one of, the, one of his mighty men had had enough. He says, just let me go and take this dog's head off of him. Just let me go. Just say the word and I'll, I'll just take his head off him. But David being a spiritual man, he said to Abishai, he says, he says, my own son, which came out of my bowels, seek my life. How much more may this Benjamite do it? He says, let him alone and let him curse for the Lord has bidden him. Then he says these words, it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. See, David knew, no, just leave it in weakness. We don't need to show our strength here. Just leave it in weakness. And it may be I, I've done wrong and, and my own family's turned against me and all of that. It might be that when God sees my weakness, that he'll bless me because of that. Hallelujah. Let's be spiritual like David. Not say, oh, I'm going to rise up and do this or that. No, Lord, you know my weakness. You know that I didn't deserve that. 
But yet, Lord, you know I'm not going to try and make things right on my own attitude. Brother Branham says in the message oneness, he says, we know we make mistakes. But you mustn't look at that. It's not your mistakes because you're always going to have them. See, it's following his rules, following what he said to do. Stumbling and falling doesn't have one thing to do with it. A real true servant of God, if he'll stumble, he'll get up again. If he wobbles, God pulls him right back in the path. I love this quote. As long as he's in the path of duty, but if he's off the path of duty, God's not obligated to him. But as long as he's in the path of duty, God's obligated to him. I was thinking of this about those brothers in Ethiopia. Brother, and Brother Bram says, God's obligated to him knowing that he's just a man or a woman. He's obligated to that person as long as they're in the path of duty. Amen. Moses had to get that recognition of that. Moses had to realize he had to go from the throne in Pharaoh from a position of great power to a weak shepherd out on the backside of the desert till when God called him, he said, I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to lead. I don't understand how to organize no more. I don't, I don't, there's nothing really I can do for the people. Lord, surely you got somebody else. The Bible says God got a little bit upset with him. Brother Brown uses the word God liked to have kicked him around a little bit. God didn't feel sorry for him. We use the term, suck it up, Moses. Get with it, Moses. It's not, got nothing to do with your weakness. Hello, sisters. It's got nothing to do with your weakness. What God's going to do, God is going to do. And if he's put you in a place, God is going to use you. Because he's got a purpose for you. Whatever that place might be. You know, there have been sisters we know in the Bible like Deborah and Esther and Abigail. And and uh, I was thinking in history like Joan of Arc. Different ones that have risen up to great position because God has needed them for a specific purpose in the age. But usually it's a woman that overflows to her family. A woman that gives out to others. A woman that enables a man. You know, whatever Joseph was, it was his wife behind him. Whatever, whatever Jacob was, it was because of his wives and the boys that they, that they gave to him. Whatever Isaac was, it became that way because of Rebecca. Abraham, we could go down through the scriptures. The great women of God that were brought in union with the masculine to produce what's possible in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He says, in perfect strength by perfect weakness. You still with me so far? All right, I'm not putting you to sleep yet. All right, is there a deacon at the back, Brother Glenn? How many sisters have left so far? Just put up your fingers. Zero, he says zero. Okay, thank you. All right. In perfect strength by perfect weakness, he says, seeing the need of the day, Moses, with his intellectual powers and his ability that he had to do with it, he was a smart man, he was a coming pharaoh, he had psychology, he had power, he had physical strength, he had everything. Equipped. I know all of it. And if there's a man in the land able to do it, I am, he says. So I'm the man of the hour, so I'll step out. And he went out to accomplish a work that was right and in the will of God. And he offered his natural abilities. This is important now. He went out to do a work that was right and in the mind of God. But he offered his natural abilities and God refused it. All he did was kill one Egyptian. He says he couldn't use one thing Moses had. He couldn't use it then, neither can he use it now. 
God cannot use our natural abilities. We got to get ourselves and our abilities out of the way and surrender to the will and power of God. Amen. Brother Bam says same play, same message. He says the case is with us is not that we're too weak. The case is we're too strong. We're just too strong. That's all. The thing of it is we're too strong headed. He says. We're too strong in our head. We know too much. God wants to get that out of us. Another place, same message, perfect strength. He says, here's something to console us. Here's something that encourages. Out of weakness and humility, God chooses the people to build his kingdom out of. If we ever get to heaven, if we ever stand in the presence of God with his church, we'll stand in a bunch of people that's been weak and rejected, and cast out by the world, and know it nothings. Amen. Amen. That's who's going to be in heaven with us there. Amen. We come to our last thought here. Certainly not the last thought on this subject, but the last thought. Why am I preaching on this? Because the word restores us into position. I trust by something that is said this morning that you'll understand the purpose of God in your life in a greater way. And, and in doing so, we also expose the devil for what he's trying to do with our minds. Because where is the greatest battle ever fought? It's in the mind. Amen, brothers? Amen, sisters? It's in the mind. That's where the devil's attacking you. You say, well, I got this infirmity. I got, yeah, but it's in your mind. The right mental attitude would heal your, your broken body if you're sick this morning. The right mental attitude towards his promise. It's all laying there. If we could get all of our thoughts subject to the word of God. Because in the beginning, God brought the separation there, but God had a purpose in separating the masculine from the feminine. And this is the thing that really struck me about the two vessels. Because God was alone with his thoughts. Back before anything was created. Back before there was angels. And in his thoughts, God is love. Is that right? So God is love in his makeup. That's his, that's his very essence of his being. That's why even the Holy Spirit is divine love. And so we find out that in that position and in that purpose, God being alone by himself. It's one thing to have love. It's another thing altogether to project love. Right. Now, Brother Mike was getting to it when he preached on that. Was it last Wednesday? And, and you see, without God making another vessel, without God taking that vessel called Adam and breaking it into two and taking the feminish out and putting that in the female body without that love could not be projected between the two because love is beyond God's relationship with angels because divine love when it is projected produces sovereign grace is that right bring sovereign grace on the scene the angels don't know anything about grace and so they don't really understand what the love of God is really all about. But God, in putting Adam in the Garden of Eden and taking the feminish out of the masculine, he says, now I'm going to show between these two vessels what it's going to be like between me and the church. 
I'm going to make the woman and put her into a vessel that's going to be weak and have a flaw. And that flaw is going to allow her to be deceived. And yet in that deception and in that awful condition where the serpent came to her and Adam found out that she was defiled and had ruined her virtues of motherhood and womanhood and, and all of that. But yet he looked at her, but there was something about her that Adam had said, she's flesh of my flesh. She's bone of my bone. She's spirit of my spirit. There's something about here that he couldn't avoid projecting love to her. And in projecting love to her, it brought sovereign grace on the scene, bringing Eve back to himself. Amen. And God is doing the same thing in his own church. That's why he wanted to take his thoughts and not just think about them. He wanted to manifest them. He wanted to put them into vessels. He wanted to bring them down into the ages and display them down through the ages. Because he didn't want just to love his attributes. He wanted to project love to his attributes. And in order to do that, he had to separate the feminine from the masculine. He had to bring it out of himself and make another vessel. You are that vessel. You are the church of the living God. God made you for a purpose. He always loved you, but he manifested you in flesh so that he could project his love to you. Hallelujah. He revealed himself to you to project his love to you. He took the cover off his word to project his love to you. Because in projecting his love to you, that brings sovereign grace on the scene. That's why when we got unsaved loved ones, what are we, what are we looking for? We're not looking to bring them to a, to an understanding that you need to serve God, but oh, if they could come to a revelation of the love of God. Like Jesus going by Samaria. I have needs to go by Samaria. I need to project love to this woman. Not the love of a husband, but the love of God to his attribute. I need to project my love because if I can project my love to her, then sovereign grace will come on the scene and produce the results. Hallelujah. Let the love of God come by my children's way. God, reveal your love to them. Reveal yourself to them. Obviously, in my own self, we might say, anybody here got unsaved children? We might say in our unsaved children, I've been a miserable failure, Lord. But I could only project love to them as a father. I could only project love to them in the home. But you can project a greater love to them. And if you, Lord, will project that love, whether it's through me, whether it's through somebody else, whether it's through some other uh, channel, it doesn't matter to me, Lord. But when your love is projected, sovereign grace comes on the scene and produces the result. Hallelujah. You see, God manifests his thoughts to be able to project his love, to be a savior, to be a healer, all of those things. As the musicians come, everything, anything outside of what God had in his mind, anything outside of the true reflection of masculine and feminine is just a perversion. And if you, if you take away true masculinity and true femininity, then you take away love projecting. It just becomes lust. 
It just becomes some kind of vile thing and perversion. But when you have true masculinity and true femininity, then you can have real love projecting. And then God brings grace on the scene. Is that all right? Only the true church can bring the true love of God on the scene. That's why as husbands now, let me just let me just close with a few thoughts. I have to close by speaking to the men and their attitude towards the sisters. As husbands, that's why we have to be careful not to push our wives into a position they were not meant to be in. As men, God calls you to lead your homes. To be a real breadwinner. To be a real decision maker. To be led by God. To be the high priest of the home. And if you get out of your place, it'll cause your wife to be out of her place. And then when you get out of your place, love is hindered and prayers are hindered. Is that alright this morning? This is the, this is the reality of it. This is not just, oh, well, these things should be. No, these things must be. This is what God has restored in the church of the living God. God didn't bring this message just to bring us to a place that we agree with it. God brought this message so that we could be it. This message must become flesh. Because this message is the invisible union between the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. It restores men back to their place. It restores women back to their place. It's not a place of subjection as much as we, we, there is a level of subjection to it. But it's not a place where we just subject ourselves to just be, oh well we have to be humble, we gotta be nothing and we, no. It's recognizing who we are in the Word of God. Recognizing our place in Christ that the power of God might flow in our lives. That's the reason that a a real woman, a real feminine woman, yearns for a real masculine man. Sorry if that hurts your feelings, but that's the truth. A real woman will want a real man. If you don't see that, There's something of this age that's got a hold of your mind. You need to get rid of it. This love that is the Holy Spirit. And this will help those that that ask, can you be born again outside of this message? This love that God has revealed in these last days is the love of a bridegroom to a bride. The Holy Spirit is this divine love. God has changed His mask. The church is no longer betrothed. She's now bride. The church is no longer virgin. She's now impregnated by the Word of God. It's a different relationship. It's a different birth. Before there was a message, sure. Before God changed His mask in the opening of the Word, sure. You know, anybody can be born again that God deals with. And I'll just say, only in God's office does He birth His seed. That's a principle in the Word of God. God sends the message of the hour to quicken the elect of the hour. It's His love 
projected into that hour. It's the message alone that puts the church in bride condition. It's the message alone that brings the spirit through the word for the new birth. Boaz could look at Ruth. Boaz could see Ruth in the field. Boaz could talk to Ruth. But until Boaz took Ruth, he couldn't project his love to her. But once he took her as wife, it brought a different level of relationship. Brother Branham says in Rising of the Sun, you can play that song, Draw Me Nearer, if you would. If he, the bride, if he being the groom, the bride has to come forth because it's part of him. Why don't you stand with me? And it can only be the manifestation of the fulfilling of all the revelations and the others that spoke of the bride. Who are you? This is Brother Brown's describing it here. He says, it can only be the manifestation of the fulfilling of all the revelations and the others that spoke of the bride. That's who we are. That's who we are standing here this morning. We're the manifestation of what's spoken of us. We didn't make ourselves into this image. Brother Branham did not make us into this image. God spoke his word. And here you are. God spoke a word called bride. He had an attitude towards the vessel. And that word spoken produced the result of bride. It makes a woman a real woman. It makes a man a real man. It makes a brother a real brother and a sister a real sister. It makes a father a real father and a husband a real husband. And it makes a wife a real mother and a real wife. What does that? The Word of God puts us in position. How? God spoke it. It has to have. You say, well, Brother Tim, I wish my marriage was better. I wish my home was better. I wish my mother, I wish I was a better mother. I wish I was a better father. Listen, I wish I was a better father. I wish I was a better husband. We all do. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need God. But because we're still moving into that image, he's present and he's speaking his word to us. Oh, sisters, don't be deformed by the spirit of the age. I I just got to say it because I don't ever want to preach on this subject again. Don't be deformed by what you see on the social media. Don't be deformed by what you see on other kinds of media or what you hear in the music. Oh, mercy. I don't listen to their music, but I, I... from time to time, you, somebody expresses a lyric that has said something defiled and degraded about womanhood. Don't listen to that nonsense. Don't look at the way the women are having themselves out there. Don't look at the relationships they have between male and female out there. Run away from that kind of stuff. Say, Lord, make me in the image of your word. You men, especially you young men. Get away from that nonsense that's out there. Don't let the world tell you how to treat a woman. They don't know how to treat a woman. They don't know how to approach a woman in a right way. They don't know what is feminine because they haven't seen feminine out there. Stay with the word of God. Be a real man. Be a real woman. And let God make in you what he saw in you before the foundation of the world. 
would commit themselves to God and say Lord make me in the image of thy word wash me in the water of that word and cause me to be what you have called me to be you see the age you're living in I don't have to tell you about it you know that they're telling you the devil is bombarding you to be something different than what the word says 
But we need to just come humbly to Him this morning and say, Lord, I want to be in the image of Your Word. If if I'm a man, make me a real man. If I'm a woman, make me a real woman. I don't want to be perverted or twisted. I don't want to try and bring part of the world in and part of the gospel in. I don't want to have one foot in the world and one foot in the Word of God. I want to be all the Word of God in this hour. Unashamed of the truth that we have received. Heavenly Father, Lord, you see every hand that's raised. You see every person that's standing. But most importantly, Lord, you see the hearts that are beneath those hands. Lord, there once was a vessel. We called him Legion. Because that's what the devils called him. Of the Gadarenes, O God, that was possessed with every devil. Hundreds and thousands of devils, O God. Torn him and unable, people were unable to do anything with him. Run amongst the tombs. Dressed in nakedness. All kinds of things, O God. But Lord, there was a predestinated seed in that heart, O Lord. And all the devils in hell could not stop him from coming and sitting at your feet, O Lord. Lord, we renounce every demon power. Lord, we're living in a time where the Euphrates has loosed every demon power into this age. The bottomless pit has opened up. Lord, the the angel of the bottomless pit has brought his army to assault the bride and to assault Israel. But Lord, we're standing on your word. We might be a weak vessel, but Lord, we believe if God be for us, then who can be against us? That no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Because you, O Lord, have spoken it. You will keep your word. Lord, take every sister in under your divine presence this morning and anoint them with a special anointing. If there's anything the devil's trying to do, it's get get our sisters to compromise on the word of God. May you anoint them with a fresh anointing, Lord. May you anoint them with a fresh character, O God. May you anoint them, O God, with a fresh godliness and a fresh femininity, O Lord. That cause them to renounce every idea of the enemy, Lord. So much could have been said about true sisters in this service, O God. But I trust that you'd anchor it there. Take our brothers, Lord. Make them real men, Lord. Uncompromising, unyielding. Men of principle. Men of character. Men with spirit, O God. Lord, may you just bless them, we pray. Lord, take these last two services. Not the easiest services, Father, that I've spoken. Even perhaps with trepidation approaching the subject. Knowing that it's easy to be misunderstood. But Lord, may you just bring something good out of it. Lord, may you bless the church with it, O God. May you cause us to take a fresh appreciation for what the message has brought us in the unveiling of your word. We give ourselves to you, asking your blessing upon each and every one. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. We sang it earlier. You, O Lord, are a strong and mighty tower. Let's just sing that in worship to him this morning before we go.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let his people proclaim. He is holy. He's worthy of all glory. And we give glory to his name. Isn't he wonderful? Do you love him this morning? I love him for all that he's done. I, we're living in a messed up age. I would not want to be in this age without this message. Oh, thank God for this message. Amen. Wednesday night, we'll be streaming live from camp. You, you won't want to miss that. Brother John Andes will be preaching on Wednesday from the camp. And we'll be streaming that live. You know, I, I remember this song, Blessed Be, when I first came here. We used to sing it in Grand Prairie, Brother Matthew. And I remember the first time I tried to sing it here, I said, Now, do you know that song here? <laughs> and come to find out, I think it was Brother Ryan wrote it, didn't he? Was it? Yeah, I think Brother Ryan wrote the song. Brother Ryan, we miss you. We miss, don't we miss Brother Ryan? We miss Brother Derek. We miss all of our brothers and sisters on the U.S. side. And oh, one day, if we don't gather again on this side, how much greater rejoicing is going to be on the other side, having missed them all this time. Oh, I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it's been wonderful to be in the house of God. Let's just dismiss with a word of prayer, Brother uh, brother Drake. Why don't you come, Brother Richard, and just close in a word of prayer for us as we dismiss the people. Father, it's so good, Father, to be sitting in your presence. And Father, hearing the truth. The truth is something that is is so difficult to find in this day and age. And Lord, the scripture has told us to buy the truth and sell it not. It's something that we would cleave onto and hold, Father, and would stand on, stand fast on. And Father, as the entire world is moved around us, oh God, we stand sure and we stand solid only in your truth. We're thankful, Father, for the word that's been preached this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would have, Lord, give us the grace to stand as we ought to stand, Father, both men and women alike, O God. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace, Lord, and we pray that for each one as they're going their separate ways today, Father, may we take the presence of God with us where we go. And Father, may we, Lord, be a light under this very dark world, we pray. And may, Father, you would bless each one, Lord Jesus, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Sisters, if you have a real husband, if you're married and you've got a real husband, when you get a chance, say thank you for being a real man. Brothers, if you got a real wife, say thank you for being a real woman. It's not easy in this age. And if you got one that's maybe not serving the Lord or something, pray for them. The Bible says, sisters, if you're a real woman, you got an unsaved husband, they'll be won by your chaste conversation. Amen. You believe that? Amen. Why don't you just turn around, shake, don't shake hands, but uh, wave your hand at somebody from a distance and uh, say, God bless you. The service is dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.